our lives. And I think about uh, some of the stories of, of the men of, that started this church. And from what I understand, it, it, it first came up in a conversation at a kind of an old store uh, right up here on Hodge and 64. And um, men talking, saying, you know, what this area needs is a church. Green Pines, I think, would had just been here not too long. Uh, Barclay Downs was soon to come. And said, so, you know, there's a lot of people coming here, and we don't have a church in there. We need a church. And so from that, a church started, and what we thought was going to be a church for Green Pines neighborhood has become a church for the world. God does things like that. It was always the intention of church to be that way. We've learned that in Acts. And so, uh, you know, yeah, we bear the name Green Pines, but we pray that God will make it a greenhouse for the Great Commission. And so I, I loved hearing how Tom uh, described how God had worked, you know, uh, in their life, that when people come here, we pray that God puts the world in their heart for the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. It is what we see in the Bible uh, all throughout that a church does that. It just does. And so, yes, Green Pines, Barclay Downs, Planters Walk, Princeton Manor, Churchill, Chestwick, Langston Ridge, and the world is coming here, but at the same time, we're going to the world. And let's pray that God will take a green pine, so, which by the way, I, I didn't know this until like my seventh year here, uh, that's actually named after family. Uh, in, the, in the green pine neighborhood, there's a family, first home there, big old stone house, was the greens. They lived there. I didn't know that. I thought, well, of course, pines are green, you know, but no, it's actually a family. But that God would make us not just green pines, but a greenhouse for the Great Commission. And so uh, with that thought, I want to just do a quick little survey, give you one little thought from Acts 14 that, that is uh, totally appropriate for our church this day. Uh, Acts chapter 14, we're going to just do a, a quick run through. We finished up with Acts 13 there at the end where the church had sent out, Antioch sent out Paul, Barnabas, and a team of people. They were the first intentional missionaries. All the others were forced into it. And so they go up to Cyprus, and they go up to another Antioch. Um, and there they start teaching. They teach to the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. The God-fearing Gentiles get real excited about the message. And Acts in, end of chapter 13, we see this. So much so that they've asked them, come back and teach again. And so they come back, and the, and the synagogue is packed. And the Jews don't really like it that much at that point some jealousy and other things, and so uh, uh, they leave. In fact, if you see in Acts chapter 13, verse 51, Paul, Barnabas, they shook off the dust for the feet against them, went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for that. Let's pray. They, they see their leaders go off in the midst of persecution, but the joy remains because the Holy Spirit is there. This church has never, will never be centered on a pastor or a church staff, but it is to be centered on Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. That is how the church continues regardless of what may come. And so, uh, Paul and Barnabas go on to Iconium. Same strategy, similar reaction. Jews don't like it, the Gentiles do, but they uh, force them out. Uh, to go to somewhere else, and except these folks, Myconium, start following Paul 
and Barnabas. They go to Lystria. Lystria, which is, by the way, uh, where Timothy is born and raised. Timothy gets exposed to the gospel through his, his mother and grandmother, but also right here in Paul. And look at what Timothy witnesses, as well as all the others. Uh, Paul and Barnabas come in, a miracle is made, a healing is done. And so this is, by and large, an unbelieving uh, city. They think, wow, this must be a god for things like this. You know, that guy might be Zeus, and that other guy might be Hermes. And so they start trying to worship Paul and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes. They start to do a, a sacrifice. They kind of figure out what's going on. This is a different language, some, some cultural barriers. And so Barnabas and, and Paul realize, wait a second, no. No, this isn't what we're here about. We're here about the gospel. And so they start teaching the gospel. Interesting enough, the very folks who at first wanted to worship Paul end up stoning him. You've got to watch out for how people receive you. <laughs> All right? Some of the folks that are most exuberant are the most passionate about getting rid of you sometimes. So here is, here's Paul. And in fact, that's indeed what happens uh, after... Uh, you see this, verse 20, the disciples gathered about him. He rose up and entered the city after they, look, verse 19, stoned him. Dragged him out of the city. Why did they do that? Because he's a dead man. That's what normally happens when people throw stones at you. All right? And so here he is, and he's left out. But what's, it's never stated, but it's certainly implied something miraculous happens. He gets up. But what, what does he do? He goes back into the city. He goes back into the city. There is a, a strength there. There is a joy there. There is the Spirit of God at work in his life that says, Stone me if you will, but the gospel must go out. And he goes back into the city. And when they preach the gospel to that city, he didn't just go in the city and lay low. He went back preaching, making many disciples, and then returning to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. These are the three cities that pushed him out. He goes back to. I think Paul's thinking, you know what? If, if the worst they can do to me is stoning and I still come back from that, then what else are they going to do? <laughs> He's like, you know, go ahead and try me. Nothing's going to stop me as I do what God has called me to do. Listen, I want us to... Uh, take this lesson because we're going to see this lesson that's exemplified by Paul is going to be verbalized in just a little bit and that is simply this lesson of continue in the faith continue in the faith Paul continues in the faith let me just share with you that as we're trying to make disciples uh, make discipleship communities it's going to involve prayer walking some of you have been involved in the prayer walking where it's going to involve us doing surveys finding out about the community, finding out how to pray for the community, finding out why, what, what's, what reasons do you have for not going to church? Finding out some of those reasons, finding out are any of you interested in a this Bible study to learn about who Jesus is. That's going to require on our end a little bit of perseverance, a little bit of diligence for some of us just to make time. Listen, make time and keep making time and keep making time for sharing the gospel, creating opportunities for us to make disciples. But if it rains, go anyway. Why? Because people are going to be much more friendly to you when it's raining outside, and they're going to be home, all right? Don't, if you ever have in your, your mind, we're going to make disciples, we're going to share the gospel unless this happens. 
I think Satan hears things like that. And he will always provide the perfect environment for you not to obey. You realize that? If you tell yourself that you will obey God unless these variables come in, Satan will set it up every time to make sure you don't obey God. So keep in the faith, persevere. And so that's what Paul does. And so what is, what is the message? When he goes back, he goes to Lister, Iconium, and Anak, and he strengthens the soul, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> Welcome to being a Christian. No one probably told you that. Paul does. It, it may have been something more like, God has a wonderful plan for your life. But no one ever said that wonderful plan included many tribulations. Paul does. Listen, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you will endure tribulation, hardship, mocking, laughter, oppression of various sorts. But it's totally worth it. And that's what Paul is saying. Strengthening the faith, encouraging. So, I asked... I, bring this thought out. I asked this last week. How many of you were not born when this church started? Raise your hand. If you were not born in 1970, all right, raise it up so we can see. All right. There's a healthy percentage of people not born when this church had started. I was thinking of my brother uh, Bob was saying that he'd starting a ministry in 1970. I was thinking my parents hadn't thought of me in 1970. <laughs> I was thinking, man, man yeah, that was a former, four more years later. Uh, but chances are, church isn't quite the same as when it started. Some of you could tell me one way or the other. But I think we'd started in that little white building and the house that was there at that time. It's different. Now we look differently, except for me today. There's, there's these things are different. Listen, let me ask you this question. 45 years from now, raise your hand if you think you'll be here. <laughs> How many of you hope to be here 45 years from now? All right. How many of you think you probably won't be here? Right. 45 years from now, that's a long time. So let me ask this question. If in most likelihoods you won't be here, who will be? Who will be here 45 years from now? It could be, most likely, somebody who's not even thought of yet. Not even born yet. Right? How will they get to be a part of this community of faith? Listen, I want to assure you, not every community of faith is promised in the Bible that it will last forever. Do you realize that? The church will endure forever, but local expressions do not. Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas are being sent from? No. You go there today, you're not going to see much. Where they are ministering at, and, and what, where Galatians is written, the, the letter of Galatians is written to this, southern Turkey. It's Muslim. Jerusalem even. 
you are a Christian in Jerusalem, you will endure persecution in Jerusalem because you're a Christian. All that to tell you, the vibrant faith of back then is not there now. There are seasons. I do not know how long green pines, this local expression, will endure. It is only in God's sovereignty that we know such things. But I will say that we will do well on our way if we are working as a church to reach those who are not yet born. How are we doing that? I am thankful for those of you who are born since 1970. I am thankful that this church did whatever measures and degrees to reach us. We're here. We're here now. But what is going to be required for us to reach those who are in the nurseries and the preschools and the elementary schools and those who are just a thought in somebody's mind? That's something we have to address But listen, as we do so, we're going to do what they say. We are going to endure. We will continue in the faith, as verse 22 says. Verse 23, some helpful things. To appoint elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul was there for a number of years. He's come back. But listen, how many of them are longtime believers in Lystra, and Der- Derby, Iconium, Antioch. <laughs> Nobody were long-time believers. What set them apart? There were evidently some that were more obedient. And God just simply called them, and it was firm, recognized through the leaders at the time. As you know, for those of us who've been in this church for a while, we are working on that. The church has named names. It's named... Jeff Hillis, Jason Hicks, Chris Best. My mind just went blank. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Rich Holt. These are all four names that the church, as we've prayed about it, thought through that the church, as we looked at the surveys, by and large, these stood out. Some have said, yes, we've recognized and we've been praying about a call as well. Some have said, let me go through the training. (laughs) Let me go through the training and let's pray together about this. Why is that important? What is needed is a commitment by the leadership of the church to do as Chris has said, stay true to what the Word of God teaches. It is what the church has. We have the written word of God. We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We must have a continual commitment to that. And part of ensuring that happens is the leaders be committed to this. So we're kind of doing what we can to make that happen. But they kept going out. But I noticed one more thing that we need to do in this. Commit them to the Lord. Why don't we in our time here Commit this church to the Lord. Why don't we have a closing prayer where we say, God, I don't know what's going to happen with Green Pines. I don't know what you have in store for it. 
We wanted to reach the generations. We wanted to reach the world. We pray that you make this a greenhouse for the Great Commission, that someday there will be churches in Puga County because we are a part in the obedient act of that. That there'll be churches in other places that will have communities of faith. Who I shared with you some time ago that for us to reach Raleigh, to reach Nightdale, we've got to do it differently than thinking, okay, we've got to build a building. We've got to have the staff. We don't have enough money to make that happen. And when I say we, I'm not talking about our church specifically. I'm talking about our church generally in the Raleigh area. We don't have enough money for that. We've got to see discipleship communities start up. It may require changes. That is painful because most changes will be. But it is to say, will we keep to the word of God? Will we keep to the worship of Jesus Christ? Will we keep making disciples? And will what unite us in Jesus Christ be greater than any potential thing that could divide us? In days to come, we will be tested. Is there anything greater than what unites us? It'll come to be revealed. But I would say to you that through many tribulations, green pines, we must enter the kingdom of God. This week, the Supreme Court is trying to make a decision regarding how marriage is defined. I don't predict a very favorable one for those who believe what the Bible teaches about that, what Jesus taught about it, about marriage and sexuality. I can look at that and say, you know, through many tribulations, this church must continue (laughs) But I'm going to share you. Whatever same-sex decisions are made, that is not our greatest threat. It's not the greatest. The greatest threat is in our own heart. Whether we will hold on to Jesus Christ more than anything else. Why don't we, together as a church, commit ourselves to Jesus Christ and to whom we believe. Our only hope is that we belong to God, body and soul and life and death, individually and collectively as a church. Though we may get stoned by God's strength, let's get up again. Everybody gets knocked down. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody fails. The difference comes is what do you do then? Let's pray for the strength of God's grace. Will you pray with me?